0: section two of members of the family by owen wister this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter one happy teeth part two but the cheery doctor could not cheer the unreasonable scipio in the morning the complacent little horacles made known to all the world his perfected arrangements Directly the agent had safely turned his back and gone to Washington his disloyal clerk had become doubly busy He had at once perceived that this was a comfortable time for him to hurry his new rival store into readiness and Be securely established behind its counter before his betrayed employer should return in this last he might not quite succeed the agent had come back a day or two sooner than horacles had calculated but it was a trifle after all he had carried through the small part of his uncle's scheme which he had been sent here to do inside that building in the far corner of the reservation once rumored to be connected with the quartermaster's department He would now sell luxuries and necessities to the Indians at a price cheaper than his employer's and his employer's store would henceforth be empty of customers. Perhaps the sweetest moment that Horacles had known for many weeks was when he said to Scipio, I'm writing uncle about it today. That this should have gone on under his nose while he sat searching the papers was to Scipio utterly unbearable his mind was in a turmoil feeling about helplessly but furiously for vengeance and The Virginian's same question What could he have done to stop it if he had discovered it? comforted him not at all They were outside the store sitting under a tree waiting for the returning agent to appear But he did not come and the suspense added to Scipio's wretchedness He put me in charge. He kept repeating the driver ain't responsible when a stage is held up reasoned the Virginian Scipio hardly heard him. He put me in charge. He said Then he worked round to Horacles again. He ain't got strength. He ain't got beauty. He ain't got riches He ain't got brains. He's just got sense enough for parlor conjuring tricks not good ones either and yet he has me beat he's got an uncle in the senate said the virginian the disconsolate scipio took a pull at his cigar he had taken one between every sentence damn his false teeth the virginian looked grave don't be hasty maybe the day will come when you and me'll need em to chew our tenderloin we'll be old horacles is twenty-five Twenty-five is certainly young enough to commence eating by machinery, admitted the Virginian. "'And he's proud of em, whined Scipio. "'Proud. Opens his bone box and sticks out at you at the end of his tongue.'" "'I hate an immodest man,' said the Virginian. "'Why, he ain't got any better sense than to do it over to the officers' club, right before the ladies and everybody the other night.'" The K.O.'s wife said it gave her the creeps, and she don't look sensitive." "'Well,' said the Virginian, "'if I weighed three hundred pounds, I'd be terrible sensitive.'" She had to leave, pursued Scipio, had to take her little girl away from the show. Them teeth coming out of Horacles' mouth the way they did sent the child into hysterics. You could hear her screeching halfway down the line. The Virginian looked at his watch. I wonder if that agent is coming here at all today. Scipio's worried face darkened again. What can I do? What can I? He demanded, and he rose and limped up and down where the ponies were tied in front of the store. The fickle Indians would soon be tying these ponies in front of the rival store. I received this business in good shape, continued Scipio, and I'll hand it back in bad. Horacles looked out of the door. He wore his hat tilted to make him look like the daredevil that he was not. Daredevils seldom have soft pink hands, red eyelids, and a fluffy moustache. He smiled at Scipio, and Scipio smiled at him, sweetly and dangerously. "Uh, "'Would you mind keeping the store while I'm off?' inquired Horacles. "'Sure not!' cried Scipio, with haughtiness. going to have your grand opening this afternoon. Well, I was, Horacles replied, enjoying himself every moment. But Mr. Forsythe, this was the agent, can't get over from the post in time to be present this afternoon. It's very kind of him to want to be present when I start my new enterprise, and I appreciate it, boys, I can tell you. So I sent him word I wouldn't think of opening without him and it's to be tomorrow morning. While Horacles was speaking thus, the Indians had gathered about to listen. It was plain that they understood that this was a white man's war. Their great, grave, watching faces showed it. Young squaws, half-hooded in their shawls, looked on with bright eyes. A boy, who had been sitting out on the steps playing a pipe, stopped his music and came in. The aged pounded meat, wrapped in scarlet and shrunk with years to the appearance of a dried apple, watched with eyes that still had in them the primal fire of life. Tall in a corner stood the silver-haired high-bear, watching, too. Did they understand the white man's war lying behind the complacent smile of Horacles and the dangerous smile of the lounging Scipio? The red man is grave when war is in question. All the Indians were perfectly still. Wish you boys could be there to give me a good send-off, continued Horacles. The pipe-playing Indian boy must have caught some flash of something beneath Scipio's smile, for his eye went to Scipio's pistol, but it returned to Scipio's face. Horacles spoke on. Fine line of fresh eastern goods dry-goods, candies, and, hee-hee, free lunch. Mr. Lemoyne, I want to thank you publicly for that idea. "'You're welcome to it. Guess I'll hardly be over tomorrow, though. With such a competitor as you, I expect I'll have to stay with my job and hustle.' "'Ah, well,' simpered Horacles, "'I couldn't have done it by myself. My uncle—say, boys—' Horacles in the elation of victory now melted to pure goodwill Do come see me tomorrow. It's all business this you know. There's no hard feelings the pipe boy couldn't help looking at the pistol again Not a feeling cried Scipio and he clapped Horacles between his little round shoulders with head on one side He looked down along his lengthy jocular nose at Horacles for a moment. Then his eye shone upon the company like the edge of a knife, and they laughed at him because he was laughing so contagiously at them, a soft laugh like the fall of moccasins. Often the Indian will join, like a child, in mirth which he does not comprehend. High Bear's smile shone from his corner at young Scipio whom he fancied so much that he had offered him his fourteenth daughter to wed as soon as his leg should be well But Scipio had sorrowfully explained to the father that he was already married Which was true, but which I fear would in former days have proved no impediment to him Perhaps some day I may tell you of the early marriages of Scipio as Scipio in hospital narrated them to me hey said high bear now to scipio new store pretty good heap cheap yes high bear heap cheap you savvy why with a long arm and an outstretched finger scipio suddenly pointed to horacles at this the virginian's hitherto unchanging face wakened to curiosity and attention Scipio was now impressively and mysteriously nodding at the silver-haired chief in his bright green blanket and his long fringed yellow soft buckskins. No savvy," said High Bear, after a pause with a tinge of caution. He had followed Scipio's pointing finger to where Horacles was happily practicing a trick with a glass and a silver dollar behind the counter. Heap cheap, repeated Scipio. "'Because—' here he leaned close to High Bear and whispered, "'Because—his uncle medicine-man. "'He big medicine-man, too.' High Bear's eyes rested for a moment on Horacles. Then he shook his head. "'Ah, nah,' he grunted. "'He not medicine-man. "'He fall-off horse. "'He no catch-horse. "'My little girl catch him. "'Ah, nah.' High Bear laughed profusely at Sippo's joke. Sippo was the Indian's English name for their vivacious friend. In their own language they called him something complimentary in several syllables, but it was altogether too intimate and too plain-spoken for me to repeat aloud. Into his whisper Scipio now put more electricity. He's big medicine-man, he hissed again. And he drilled his bleached blue eye into the brown one of the savage see him now he stretched out a vibrating finger it was a pack of cards that horacles was lightly manipulating he fluttered it open in the air and fluttered it shut again drawing it out like a concertina and pushing it flat like an opera hat nor did a card fall to the ground high bear watched it hard but soon High Bear laughed. He pretty good, he declared. All same tin horn, man I see one, mile City. Maybe Monta man Medicine Man, too, suggested Scipio. Ah, na, said High Bear. Yet, nevertheless, Scipio saw him shoot one or two more doubtful glances at Horacles as that happy clerk continued his activities. Horacles had an audience, which he liked, and he held his audience, and who could help liking that? The bucks and squaws watched him, sometimes nudging one another, and they smiled and grunted their satisfaction at his news. Cheaper prices was something which their primitive minds could take in as well as any of us. Why you not sell cheap like him? they asked their friend Sippo. We stay then not go his store this was the burden of their chorus soft laughing a little mocking floating among them like a breeze voice after voice we like buy everything you we like buy everything cheap you make cheap we buy heap shirts buy heap tobacco heap cartridge you not sell cheap we go ah the chorus laughed like pleased children Scipio looked at them solemnly He explained how much he would like to sell cheap if only he were a medicine man like Horacles You medicine man they asked the assistant clerk "Uh, Yes said Horacles please I I big medicine man Ah The soft mocking words ran among them like the flight of a moth soon with their hoods over their heads they began to go home on their ponies, blanketed, feathered, many-colored, moving and dispersing wide across the sagebrush to their far-scattered tepees. High Bear lingered last. For a long while he had been standing silent and motionless. When the chorus spoke, he had not. When the chorus laughed, he had not. Now his head moved, he looked about him, and saw that for a moment he was alone in a way. He saw the Virginian reading a newspaper and his friend Sippo bending down and attending to his leg. Horacles had gone into an inner room. Left on the counter lay the pack of cards. High went quickly to the cards, touched them, lifted them, set them down, and looked about him again. But the Virginian was reading still, and Scipio was still bent down, having some trouble with his boot. High Bear looked at the cards, shook his head skeptically, laughed a little, grunted once, and went out where his pony was tied. As he was throwing his soft buckskin leg over the saddle, there was Scipio's head thrust out of the door and nodding strangely at him. Good night, High Bear. He big medicine man. High Bear gave a quick slash to his pony, and galloped away into the dusk. Then Scipio limped back into the store, sank into the first chair he came to, and doubled over. The Virginian looked up from his paper at this mirth, scowled, and turned back to his reading. If he was to be left out of the joke, he would make it plain that he was not in the least interested in it. Scipio now sat up straight, bursting to share what was in his mind, but he instantly perceived how it was with the Virginian. At this he redoubled his silent symptoms of delight. In a moment, Horacles had come back from the inner room, with his hair wet with ornamental brushing. "'Well, Horacles,' began Scipio in the voice of a purring cat, "'I expect you've got me beat." The flattered clerk could only nod and show his bright, false teeth. "'You have me beat,' repeated Scipio. "'You have for a fact.' "'Oh, not you, Mr. Lemoyne. It's not you I'm making war on. I do hope there's no hard feelings.' "'Not a feelin, Heracles. How can you entertain such an idea?' Scipio shook him by the hand and smiled like an angel at him a fallen angel. What's the use of me keepin' this store open to-morrow? Nobody'll be here to spend a cent. Guess I'll shut up, Horacles, and come watch the Injuns all shoppin' like Christmas over to your place." The Virginian sustained his indifference and added to Scipio's pleasure, but during breakfast the Virginian broke down. "'Reckon you ready to start to-day?' he said. "'Start? Wherefore?' sunk creek ya fool where else i'm beyond ya i'm sure beyond ya for once screeched scipio beating his crutch on the floor i'll eat your grub ya you fool i'd have told ya last night said scipio remorselessly only was so awful anxious not to be told as the virginian drove him across the sagebrush not to sunk creek but to the new store the suspense was once more too much for the southerner's curiosity. He pulled up the horses as the inspiration struck him. "'You're going to tell the Indian you to sell him,' he declared over hastily. "'Oh, drive on, you fool,' said Scipio. The baffled Virginian grinned. "'I'll throw you out,' he said, "'and break all your legs and bones and things afresh.' "'I wish Uncle was going to be there,' said Scipio.' nearly everybody else was there the agent bearing his ill fortune like a philosopher some officers from the post and the doctor some enlisted men blue-legged with yellow stripes civilians male and female honorable and shady and then the indians wagons were drawn up ponies stood about the littered plain was populous Horacles moved behind the counter busy and happy. His little mustache was combed, his ornamental hair was damp. He smiled and talked and handled and displayed his abundance—the bright calicoes, the shining knives, the clean six-shooters and rifles, the bridles, the fishing-tackle, the gumdrops and chocolates—all his plenty and its cheapness. Squaws and bucks, young and old, thronged his establishment, their soft footfalls and voices made a gentle, continuous sound, while their green and yellow blankets bent and stood straight as they inspected and purchased. High Bear held an earthen crock with a luxury in it—a dozen of fresh eggs. Hey, he said when he saw his friend Sippo enter, heap cheap, and he showed the eggs to Scipio. He cherished the crock with one hand and arm, while with the other hand he helped himself to the free lunch. To Scipio, Horacles extended a special welcome. He made it ostentatious in order that all the world might know how perfectly absent hard feelings were. And Scipio, on his side, wore openly the radiance of brotherhood and well-wishing. He went about admiring everything, exclaiming now and then over the excellence of the goods or the cheapness of their price. His presence was soon no longer a cause of curiosity, and they forgot to watch him, all of them except the Virginian. The hours passed on, the little fires, where various noon meals were cooked, burnt out, satisfied individuals began to depart. After an entertaining day, the agent himself was sauntering toward his horse. "Uh, "'What's your hurry?' said Scipio. "'Well, the show is over,' said the agent. "'Oh, no, it ain't. Horacles is going to entertain us a whole lot.' "'Better stay,' said the Virginian." The agent looked from one to the other. Then he spoke anxiously. "'I don't want anything done to Horacles.' nothing will be done stated scipio the agent stayed the magnetic current of expectancy passed none could say how through the assembled people no one departed after this and the mere loitering of spectators turned to waiting particularly expectant was the virginian and this he betrayed by mechanically droning in his strongest accent a little song that bore no reference to the present occasion. Of all my father's family I love myself the best, and if God will just look after me, the devil may take the rest. The sun grew lower. The world outside was still full of light, but dimness had begun its subtle pervasion of the store. Horacles thanked the Indians and everyone for their generous patronage on this his opening day, and intimated that it was time to close. Scipio rushed up and whispered to him, "'My goodness, Horacles, you ain't going to send your friends home like that.' Horacles was taken aback. "'Why,' he stammered, "'what's wrong?' "'Where's your vanishing handkerchief, Horacles? Get it out and entertain them some.' show you're grateful where's that trick dollar get him quick i tell you he declaimed aloud to the indians he big medicine man make come make go you no see nobody see make jackrabbit in hat ah i couldn't tonight simpered horacles needs preparation you know and he winked at scipio scipio struggled upon the counter and stood up above their heads to finish his speech no jack rabbit this time, he said. Ah, oh, nah, laughed the Indians. No catch em. Yes, catch em any time. Catch anything. Make anything. Make all this store. Scipio moved his arms about. That's how make heap cheap. See that? He stopped dramatically and clasped his hands together. Horacles tossed a handkerchief in the air, caught it, shut his hand upon it with a kneading motion, and opened the hand empty. "'His fingers swallow it, all same mouth!' shouted Scipio. "'He big medicine man! You see? Now other hand, spit out!' But Horacles varied the trick. Success and the staring crowd elated him. He was going to do his best. He opened both hands empty— felt about him in the air, clutched space suddenly, and drew two silver dollars from it. Then he threw them back into space, again felt about for them in the air, made a dive at High Bear's eggs, and brought handkerchief and dollars out of them. Ho-ho! went High Bear, catching his breath. He backed away from the reach of Horacles. He peered down into the crock among his eggs. Horacles whispered to Scipio, "Keep talkin' till I'm ready." Oh, I'll I'll talk. Go get ready, quick. Hybear, what did I tell you? But High Bear's eye was now fixedly watching the door through which Horacles had withdrawn. He did not listen as Scipio proceeded. What I tell everybody, he do handkerchief, he do dollar, he do heap more. See me. I no can do like him. I not medicine man. I throw handkerchief and dollar in the air. Look, see they tumble on floor. No good. Thank you, my kind noble friend from Virginia. You pick my fool dollar and my fool handkerchief up for me. Muy pronto. Oh, thank you, black-haired, green-eyed son of Dixie. You have the manners of a queen. But I no medicine man i shall never turn a skunk into a watermelon i innocent i young i helpless babe i suck bottle when i can get it fire and water will not obey me old man makes the thunder does not know my name and address he spit on me wednesday night last and there are no dollars in this man's hair the virginian winced beneath scipio's vicious snap at his scalp And the agent and the doctor retired to a dark corner, and laid their heads in each other's waistcoats. Ha! He comes! Big medicine man comes! See him, high bear! His father, his mother, his aunts, all twins, he ninth dog-pup in three sets of triplets, and the great white ram of the mountains fed him on pumpkin-seed. Sick him, Horacles! The burning eye of High Bear now blazed with distended fascination, riveted upon Horacles, whom it never left. Darkness was gathering in the store. "'Hand, all same foot!' shouted Scipio, with gestures. "'Mouth, all same hand. Can eat fire. Can throw ear mile off and listen you talk.' Here Horacles removed a dollar from the hair of High Bear's fourteenth daughter threw it into one boot, and brought it out of the other. The daughter screamed and burrowed behind her sire. All the Indians had drawn close together, away from the counter, while Scipio on top of the counter talked high and low and made gestures without ceasing. Hand all same mouth, foot all same head. Take off head, throw it out window, it jump in door. See him See, big medicine man. And Scipio gave a great shriek. A gasp went up among the Indians. Red fire was blowing from the jaws of Horacles. It ceased, and after it came, slowly, horribly, a long red tongue, and riding on the tongue's end, glittered a row of teeth. There was a crash upon the floor. It was High Bear's crock the old chief was gone out of the door he flew his blanket over his face and up on his horse he sprang wildly beating the animal squaws and bucks flapped after him like poultry rushing over the ground leaping on their ponies melting away into the dusk in a moment no sign of them was left but the broken eggs oozing about on the deserted floor The white men there stood tearful, dazed, and weak with laughter. Happy Teeth should be his name, said the Virginian. It sounds Indian. And Happy Teeth it was. But Horacles did not remain long in the neighborhood after he realized what he had done, for never again did an Indian enter or even come near that den of flames and magic. They would not even ride past it they circled it widely. The idle merchandise that filled it was at last bought by the agent at a reduction. Well, said Scipio bashfully to the agent, I'd have sure hated to hand you back a ruined business. But he'll never understand engines. End of chapter one, part two.